Good morning, church. You ready to study your Bibles? All right, good. Me too. This morning, we're going to be in Psalm. Oh, I'm very sorry. Kids, you can be dismissed. Thank you. I'm sorry, Jenny. That's my bad. So elementary age, if you're going to go over onto the CPK, you can head out that way. While the kids go, (laughs) this morning, we're going to be in Psalm 30. And so as you get there, I would like to sort of frame up our time today. What has been sort of an unspoken tradition here at Crosspoint is to spend the summer studying books of wisdom, particularly the Psalms, from songs that point to the Savior to the songs of ascent. The Psalms are a deep and rich place for the believer to explore a wealth of wisdom, but not just wisdom in the sense of what to do and what not to do. Rather, wisdom that is holistic and holistic. And and what I mean from that is the kind of wisdom we glean from the Psalms are both addressing the whole state of a person, mind, will, emotions, but they are also holy in that these Psalms are both to God and from God to us. I'll try and break this down Further, the Psalms are a place where you can go to find out what to do. Do not fret because of the wicked. Do not be envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like grass. Trust in the Lord. The Psalms are a place where you can go to process your feelings. Why are you downcast, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my redeemer. The Psalms are a place that you can go through to pa- that you can go to, to to pause, think, and reflect. I will trust in your mercy. Grant my heart joy in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has dealt bountifully with me. So, 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 so the Psalms instruct, inform, and address the whole being of a person. And they are also songs written from man to God, and yet God has breathed out on them as wisdom to his children. And so they are both a, a model for us and how we have to interact with God and his creation and a message of instruction or rebuke or encouragement from God's lips to us. In this series so far, we've looked at a song of lament, a song of royalty, and a song of wisdom. And so I've titled our time today simply, A Song of Thanks. But here's what I want us to see this morning. Thanksgiving, thankfulness, gratitude for the Christian, for the one who has a real and true relationship with God is found in every season of life. I'll say it again so you don't miss it. For those who have the privilege of being a child of God, gratitude is found in every season of life. King David is the author of this particular psalm, and he models to us true gratitude in every high and in every low. So that's where we'll be. If you are able, would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? And then I want to invite you to pray for me as I pray for you as together we hear from the Lord. Psalm 30. A psalm of David, a song at the dedication 
of the temple. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought me up from Sheol. You've restored me to life from among those who go down into the pit. Sing, pra- sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face. I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth. And clothe me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. This is God's word. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you full of dependence, needy creatures, thirsty for waters that satisfy us deeply and truly. And so you have given us your son, your word, and your church for our needs. May we see them as gifts of grace this morning. Father, many of us are here believing that we are truly happy, believing that we are truly grateful, believing that we are truly living facing you. May your words help us, correct us, encourage us, Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts of flesh and not stone. And may you gift me as a preacher with clarity of speech and thought. And may you gift the congregation with attentiveness and grace for my errors. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. In 2020, it wasn't just our community. It wasn't just our state. It wasn't just our nation, but the whole world was sent into a frenzy. We experienced a global pandemic nicknamed by uh, uh, my parents' generation the year we lost our parents. The aftermath of that year is still reverberating till this day. What was for many of us the strangest, most unnerving, most worrisome season of our lives is still leaving its mark in many in our communities today. But the most striking thing, the most jarring was the sudden shift, right? I remember my wife and I and our family, we were uh, taking a vacation in Austin when Florida went to lockdown. We literally went from the normal coming and goings of our life to confusion and worry something far more troublesome season. Add to that multiple murders at the hands of police, 
a rise in uh, uh, hate crimes, protests, riots, aggressive political division, conspiracy, the Beirut explosion, Australia was on fire, the entire west coast of the United States was on fire. I mean, that's just zooming out, right? You zoom in to our communities and communities we're connected to. You yourself know of people or you yourself have experienced loss of job, loss of of, uh, 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 marital strife, loss of friends, loss of family, miscarriages, anxiety, depression, trauma. You faced significant injury to your body. You You lost financial security. In the blink of an eye, your world can change like that. And for most of us, if not all of us, to some degree, we're still feeling this. Psalm 30 is a song written by David in his old age, looking back on his life. And he's giving thanks to God for what God had brought him through. I need you to connect with that right quick. It's a song of praise, sure. A song of confession, indeed. But more than that, it's a song of gratitude, teaching its hearers gratitude when things are good and gratitude when the world around us is a mess and gratitude when your sin is the problem. It's a popular song, one that we're all familiar with. If you've been a Christian for five minutes or 55 years, You've heard lyrics, a line or two from this song of thanks. Its its verses are on coffee cups and t-shirts and desktop wallpapers and cited in other worship songs. But David's words here are not some cliche saying, you tell someone when the going gets tough. This is wisdom, a model for us to reflect. David's gratitude and the method of his thanksgiving, I want to contend to you, family, is the objective and method of our gratitude towards God. Allow me to make my case. The very first words of this psalm are an outburst of praise. This is not a quieted soul. This is an old man filled with energy, full of life, because God has been good to him. He gives God thanks and then gives three experiences that led him to a place of thanksgiving. Let's read in verse one. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up. You have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you've healed me. O Lord, you have brought me up. From, uh, brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down into the pit. David says, God, I lift you up. I, I worship you. I praise you because you have been good to me. Family, that's an easy one for us, right? I don't have to expound on this too long. We can give God thanks when life is good, huh? Okay. It's easy to bless his name when the bank is good. It's it's easy to bless his name when everyone is healthy, when the house is big enough, when the closet is full enough, when the kids have all they want. It's easy to bless God, to thank him for loving you when the way you want to be loved is felt. David says, I praise you, God, because you did not allow my enemies to embarrass me 
When I was sick, you healed me. And when I was on the verge of death, you saved me. Family, I know you don't like talking back to me, but I got to ask you a question this morning. How many of you been through some stuff you didn't know you was going to make it out of? How many of you were on the verge of catastrophe? Maybe chaos had already found you and you were on the verge of losing your mind. You were on the verge of losing yourself. You were drowning, looking for a lifeguard, some semblance of hope, uh, uh, drowning in the sea of strife, wondering if someone would be there to pull you out and right before you drown God snatched you up out your mess I'm just trying to ask questions here is there anyone who can testify God's goodness no I'll let me talk to the sinners then how many of you have been in the darkness of habitual sin Unable to flee the bliss of temporal relief from the world around you. How many of you felt underappreciated, unacknowledged, not respected by the ones you love and admire and care for? How many of you felt abandoned, felt insecure, and so you found yourself ensnared by the whispers of the enemy, believing you found all the desires of your heart in anger, in bitterness, in rage, in jealousy, in the drug, in the drink, in front of a screen, or in the approval of others, only to be let down, only to be pushed back into the vicious circle of shame and guilt and fear, only to find yourself again back into the very vice that put you there from before. You were in that darkness, in that rut, and God snatched you out. I got nobody who can be thankful for God's goodness, that when you were lonely, he brought you back in the community, no. That when you were drowning in darkness, he pulled you out into the light, into love, into grace, into mercy and peace. I'm not much of a betting man, family, but if I had to bet this morning, I bet there's at least one of you who came into this place this morning ready to give God thanks for all that he's done for you, ready to bless God for all the things he brought you out of, ready to thank God that he was patient with you, that he was gracious to you, that though you didn't deserve mercy, you still found yourself mercy's recipient. No, you're still not there. I'm going to put it to you like this. Look look at verse 5. We'll get to verse 4 in a second. Look at verse 5. He says, weeping, weeping may tarry for the night. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Well, well, what you just read is a promise. It's a guarantee. Let me help you. There will be times in your life where everything is going good. If this hasn't happened already, I'm going to let you know this is what's going to happen. There will be times in your life where things are going fine. You're happy. You're good. You're in a great rhythm. You worked hard to get here, but there's a knock on your door. And see, what happens is, is, is you open the door and weeping's there. Sorrow's there. Depression's there. Anxiety is there. Overwhelmed is there. Sadness is there. Mourning is there. And see, because of the way our bodies are set up, you're obligated to let it in. David says, weeping tarries 
This, this word tarries is a word for, for when a person stays, it's like lodging. It's for when a person stays at someone's house for a moment. Right? You know, you know how, you know what it is to tarry. You know what it is to tarry. You, you, you do this on vacation, no? You at a hotel, you got an 11 a.m. checkout, or you slow to see 11 a.m. come, no? Right? You slow. You don't want to see 11 a.m. come because that means reality is coming back. That means life is coming back. That means the truth of your situation. I need you to hear me. That means the truth of your situation comes back. And so what you do is you, you try to figure out if you could get a late checkout. And they say, no, we can't give you a late checkout because we already booked the room. And so you try to see, can I pay my way into another night? And you start to look and you ask, far too expensive to do right now. And so what happens? You tarry. You lag. You sort of drag your feet to get there. David says, weeping comes into your home and it tarries. It's set up in your place, a temporary stay. This means, family, weeping ain't moving in. Oh, you sleep, man. I don't know if it's the summer or the heat. Weeping can only stay, but for so long. Those tears are temporary. That stress is short term. That madness is momentary. Those fears are fleeting. That pressure is passing. That sorrow is short-lived. Because here's the thing, family. Night's got to come to an end. And when the night ends and the sun comes up, David says, weeping tarries, but mourning. David said, weeping's going to stay for the night, but mourning is coming. That means when the sun gets up, weeping's going to have to pack it up. It can't pay its way into another night. It can't get an 11 a.m. checkout. Why? Because the room's already been booked. David says, weeping tarries for the night, but at 11 a.m., there's somebody coming to occupy that space, so you can't stay here much longer, and that's joy. You got to know this, family. The answer to morning is morning. The answer to morning is morning. When sorrow comes, when tears begin to fall, when the heart begins to ache, you know this. The answer to morning is the morning. When that sun comes up and all the light begins to enter that room, where do all the shadows go? They flee. All the sorrow, all the pain, all the tears, they, they go away. There's a time limit on those jokers. They, they can't master you. They can't rule over you. They are unwanted house guests, needy beings. You just want to rest. They, they're still there lingering, constantly asking for attention. And you've given all that you can to them already. And you look at the clock wondering, when is this sorrow going to leave? When is this, when, when is this depression going to leave? When is this anxiety going to have it stay and be fine and leave my place? Oh, there will come a time, church, David says, that when the sun comes up from the sky, I wish you heard me this morning. What pain you have now, what sorrow you have now, maybe, maybe you will receive earthly deliverance from. I don't know. That's up to God. 
But here's what I do know. That for every son and daughter of God, they will see the morning come. That's a promise. That's a guarantee. See, for David, this, this was just a hope. You see what I'm saying? David didn't have the full picture. For David, this was just a hope. But for us, but for us, we know how the story ends. For, for David, he hoped the Son of Man would come and wipe away the tears of every world. But for us, we know that the Son of David came and wiped away every tear from this earth. Yes? We know that when the morning comes, the morning don't come. We know that one day, Jesus is coming back. And he will return permanently. And he'll do away with every ailment, disease, injustice, and sin. And we will live glorified with him, singing of every minute, of every hour, of every day. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. But David doesn't teach us in the psalm to wait until then to sing. Go up to verse 4. He says, sing praises to the Lord. Oh, you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. David says, sing God's praises now, but don't just sing all by yourself. David encourages others to sing this song of deliverance with him. Mourning just didn't come for me, but it comes for every brother and sister that is in Christ as well. Though there is weeping in the lives of the faithful, it will always come to an end. And that's worth singing all by yourself, but it's also worth singing together. I love this. Because in our Western cultural worldview, we've convinced ourselves that what we go through ain't nobody's business. And so since the valley ain't nobody's business, neither is the mountaintop. Family, this is unbiblical. That's a true statement as, as, as saying Hezekiah is a book in the Bible. It ain't there. Testify God's goodness and invite all of us to testify with you so we could sing together that God's been good, that God's been faithful, that he's been true, that he's been loving. See, to rejoice together is a gift and a blessing. We need to give God thanks together for the post-pandemic Christian. This, this is, this is, I don't got all the data in front of me. This is just my view, okay? For the post-pandemic Christian, church going is a lost value. I, I know many people who love God, haven't stepped foot in church for years, and probably won't for another few years. And look, I'm going to be real with you. I'm no musician. I'm no singer. I wish I was Anthony sometimes. But I'm convinced. I am convinced that the greatest gift, the greatest blessing, the non-church going Christian is missing out on is corporate praise. 
You could listen to a sermon anywhere. You could join millions of Zoom Bible studies. You can give your money to any church, church planter, missionary, or, or nonprofit without physically being there. But you can't replicate the corporate worship blessing and experience. Look around this room. Stop looking at me. It is a gift for the person sitting next to you, for the people sitting in this room, to know what you're going through. It is a greater gift to them to see you worship God in spite of it. You can't get this blessing anywhere else. Nowhere but in the seats of the church can you find a gift like this. Nowhere else but in the seats can you literally see God change tears to triumph. Nowhere but in these seats can you actually experience the perseverance and preservation of the saints. I'm talking about you sitting in these seats is incredibly spiritual. There is a gift, a nourishment to your soul to see someone going through hell and giving God the glory anyway. David says, sing and sing together. Can I be real with you for a second, though? No? Okay. Praising him. Y'all got to work. I'm, I'm giving you hard ones. I'm giving you easy ones. And it, you're missing them both. Can I be real with you for a second? There we go. That's what I'm talking about. Praising him after going through something, that's easy. Right? We can do that. Right? All right God, you brought me out. Praising him while you're going through something hard mode, not impossible, right? What about praising him when you're the cause of the tough season? What about praising him when you're the one who's caused the mess? When it's your sin that's done the damage, can you still praise him? Great-grandpa David's got a word for us. Look at verse 6. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain strong. You hid your face and I was dismayed. In these verses, David becomes reflective. But remember, this, this is still a corporate setting, right? This is still a corporate setting. David reflects on his sin as a lesson for the community. He tells us of his downfall. He says, in my prosperity, in my good times, in my good rhythm, in my prosperous season, some translations even say, in my complacency, pride rose up in me. I declared, I will never be moved. This is the pride of self-mastery. All that I have, Accomplished, I deserved. All the titles I got, I'm entitled to. David says, I was confident I was doing it all by myself. And what happened? God, you hid your face from me. 
Other translations put it this way, you hid your face from me and I was terrified. Family, in moments of security, in moments of prosperity, the great temptation is to begin to trust yourself to keep it all together. But really, it's God who makes our security sure. It's God in his favor making our prosperity sure. And should God remove his care, we would become undone. David says, what was the answer? Give God some praise. Specifically, pray for mercy. Look at verse 8. To you, O Lord, I cry. And to the Lord, I plead for mercy. This is his plea. He says, what profit is there in my death? If I go down into the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. David appeals to God. He knows that God made the world and everything in it for his glory, and he is rightly to be praised. So he begs God to spare his life to preserve his praise. He reasons with God on the basis of his glory. You understanding this? David says, God, I repent in my self-confidence, in my pride. I lived worshiping myself, but I see now. I remember your goodness to me, and I remember what exactly I was created to do. Spare me, because the dust can't do what you made me to do. Spare me, because only I could sing of your faithfulness. Only I could sing of your mercy. Remember, this is a, this is a public corporate setting. Church, what were you made to do? What were you made to do when life is good? What were you made to do when life gets rough? What were you made to do when the lies of the enemy tempts you to sin and fall? Give thanks. Give thanks. Sing a song of thanks. I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to wrap this up. Look at verse 11. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You've loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. This is going to get awkward. Church, praise. I'm, I'm sorry, but it's the Bible. Praise is audible and bodily. Praise is audible and bodily. Up to this point in the psalm, David's been audible. I'm going to sing. I'm going to shout. But now he says, I'm going to dance. I'm going to dance. See, see, God doesn't have to remove your mourning to give you joy. God doesn't have to remove your insecurity to give you a shout. God doesn't have to wipe away your tears to give you a reason to pray. God likes to invite you into the process. God likes to see your tears and let them fall and then pick them up and transform them into something beautiful. You understand what I'm saying? No, I'll give you something more relevant. John 16 verse 21 says, when a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish 
for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you will have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. The same baby that causes pain, the same baby that causes sorrow, the same baby that causes anguish brings joy. You still not following. I don't know what to do. As you go in this life, and trouble comes your way, you can praise God anyway because you know how the story ends. God's going to take that pain and transform it into something better. That's the key here, the transformation of tragedy into triumph. And if you're sitting here wondering, just I can't see my way out of the sin that I'm in right now. I can't see my way out of the season that I'm in right now. Let me point your attention to the subtitle of this song all the way up to the top. It says, a song at the dedication of the temple. That's a curious subtitle for this song. Because if you know the Old Testament, you know David didn't see no temple be built. That, that temple wasn't built in David's lifetime. It was David's son after David's death, who saw the temple of the Lord be built. David wrote this song of praise for something he never saw happen, but knew was coming anyway. Family, there's an end to the madness. There is an end to the pain. There is an end to the weeping. And you may not see it today. You may not see it tomorrow, but you put a little faith on and be sure that it'll come. You can still sing. You can still shout. You can still dance because even though you can't see it now, you know it's coming still. David says in these climactic verses, sorrow and joy are not equals. For the Christian, sorrow serves joy. That's what he means when he says you've turned my mourning into dancing. God takes our tears, our worry, our pain, our tragedies, and he turns them into praise. So church, sing. Sing with your whole body because no matter what you're going through right now, this week, this month, or this year, joy's coming because God promises that it's joy, not your situation that gets the final word. David says, I've been fashioned by you to bring you praise. It's not enough that I do it with my voice. I got to use my body. David declares that he's going to praise God with all of his glory. That means his whole being, right? That's what it means there. It means his whole being, David's mind, David's will, his actions, David's emotions, this is, this is what I meant before by holistic and holistic. David, David is saying, the glory which you departed into me when you made me, I'm going to use it all to give thanks to you. Family, let me be clear. For most of y'all, I'm willing to bet. This changes nothing. I'm not criticizing you. I want to be clear. I want you to be you. I want you to be you. Next week, you still won't talk back to me. We got two more weeks together. I'm just letting you know. This is one of three. So I'm just going to give where my intentions are at. Love you, Justin. Thank you. I appreciate it. I want you to be you. 
You won't shout, you won't sing, you won't dance. That's fine. I'm not convincing you to be something you're not. But I will say this. The emotions you try to hide ain't always on the right side of the column. It ain't always just sorrow. It ain't always just pain. It ain't always just hurt. Some of you may be hiding your joy as well. Some of you, for fear of judgment or for some deep-setting reason, can't express thanks like David, but you used to. You came from a church tradition that did, but then you left that, and now you feel conflicted. I'm just saying, if you were David sitting in this room, be a David. And if you're not going to be a David, it ain't going to be for fear of judgment. Be you, mind, body, and soul, and give God the glory. I can't close without saying this. This kind of life ain't for everybody. This, this life that has meaning to every sorrow, meaning to every struggle, deliverance, hope, joy, it, it, it ain't for everybody. This kind of purpose doesn't apply to all people. If you're here today wondering where you stand with Jesus or wondering how any of this applies to you at all, know that it's not too late for you to come to him. If you're here today and, and Jesus isn't Lord of your life, I want to tell you that the highs and lows of life are just that, highs and lows. There's no purpose. There's no grander scheme. There's no meaning. It's just motion until the motion stops, and then it's eternal agony. This life is already hard. This life is already painful. It's already stressful. Why go through all this pain, all this strife, and have no purpose behind it? Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Come to the Father through his Son and bring purpose to the pain because the pain serves your joy. The opening words of this song are praise to God for delivering David who was on the brink of death. David thought his life was over, thought this was the end. David never saw death, but he came close. But it's actually David's greater son that experienced the real death. He died on a cross. His body was ripped apart. And his soul actually went down into the pit for three whole days. And then God drew him up. And his enemies were ashamed for they thought they won. And he drew him all the way into life again. And he walked out of the tomb, bringing joy on Easter morning. That's your invitation as well, friend. You're dead in your sin, in the pit of hell here on earth. But God can take your death and draw you up back to life so that you can experience true joy and not wrath. Joy is what's before you. Joy is what's at stake. Joy is what gets the final word. And you can thank God for that promise. Stand with me and worship. Thank you.